He is a key member of our staff. We love him. He's the leader of our GO team. His name is Topher Skinner. So Topher, if you come up, welcome him. Here you go. Now my favorite introduction of all time. Thank you, Nick. So as Nick said, my name is Topher, and I am a staff member here at Dwell Church. Um, I run the GO team, and I'm a full-time software engineer um, here in Los Angeles. I also don't like to talk about myself too much, so we're going to get started. Um, as you can see on the screen, our series for the month of April is called Kingdom Come, um, and I have the honor of kicking that off. Um, I'm going to start with a sermon today, um, but actually, the series is going to be, we're going to cover the kingdom of God, uh, the nature of this kingdom, how it impacts reality as we know it, what it means for the kingdom of God to come to the earth, and plenty of other really good stuff, because we're hearing from Dan next week and then Nick after that. We're going we're gonna to cover some good stuff about the kingdom of God. And uh, preliminary apology, I already realize I'm talking really fast, so I'm gonna slow down. Okay, for my sermon today, we'll be covering that first bit about what the kingdom is like. How does it work? What does it, all of this mean for disciples of Jesus in a city um, like Los Angeles? And I'm calling it the kingdom of God in a world of gravity and grace. Um, and what I want you to walk away with today, uh, the central point of my message is that the kingdom of God is revealed as we follow the way of Jesus. It calls us inward to become better versions of ourselves, and it calls us outwards to, be, uh, to better the city around us. Um, so with that, I'm going to pray. Jesus, you're with us already. Be working amongst us. I pray that you connect this message to our hearts. Plant it deep in our souls. Drive us into the world with a mission to reveal your kingdom. And therefore, drive us closer to you. Amen. Okay. So what is the kingdom of God? I want to start off by answering this question. Put very simply, it's the reign of God. You could, you could nuance it however you want. You could do all the research. I tried to. I wanted to make the answer complicated, uh, partially to sound smart. But uh, the kingdom of God is the reign of God. Um, I've got a couple other points, um, definitions I want to hit. And we're going to break it down. So could we get that other slide? The kingdom of God is the reign of God. The kingdom of God is already here. Um, do we have that slide, Wendy? Okay. Um, the kingdom of God is also now and not yet. Um, Jesus talks about the kingdom as an upside-down order to things, and it's also big and it's also really small. So I'm going to cover all of that today. Um, so here we go. This word kingdom might already have a couple meanings for you in your head. Immediately you think of like a kingdom as a territory, physical boundaries where a king reigns. Um, but the way that it's used in the Greek texts is more like the office of the king, the kingliness of God. That is the kingdom of God. That's, um, that's his reign. And of course, as we know, it's everywhere. It's everywhere already. Um, and there's a few places in the, uh, in the Gospels where writers talk about the kingdom of heaven as well, and that's not to be confused with each other. They're the same thing. Um, back then, and even today, uh, the Jewish tradition, they like to protect the name of God. They want to protect themselves from misusing the name of God. 
So they would often use the word heaven instead of God. That's just a little bonus fact for you. Um, they didn't want to say God and they didn't want to say Yahweh. So that's where that comes from. They're the same. I also want to bring some clarification real quick to this phrase, the good news. Um, you hear this all the time from Jesus. You might even recall a verse where he says to preach the good news to the whole world. Uh, it turns out that this phrase is usually used to refer to the coming of the kingdom of God and that this is the good news. That the kingdom, well, we'll find out, and we already know, that it's already here, but it's also on its way. So there's this tension here. Um, the good news, though, to the Jewish people of the first century was that uh, was all of these teachings of Jesus. Uh, when people wrote about the teachings of Jesus, um, as they would summarize the teachings of any other rabbi, the central message of Jesus' teachings was the kingdom of God, and that's the good news. Another key point is that, in a way, um, the announcement of the coming of kingdom was kind of underwhelming for people. If you look at what people were expecting in a Messiah, who they didn't know that Jesus was, they were actually expecting a military ruler or someone involved in the political sphere that would free the nation of Israel from oppression. They, um, they didn't have all of the freedoms that we might think that they have that we have today with um, religious freedoms and everything like that. Uh, the people of Israel were expecting a Messiah to free them from bondage and oppression um, and someone to advocate for them. And I have a scripture here that kind of puts it pretty simply from Jesus as well. It's Luke 17, 20 and 21. I'm just going to read that. Now, having been questioned by the Pharisees as to when the kingdom of God was coming, he answered them and said, the kingdom of God is not coming with signs to be observed, nor will they say, look, here it is. There it is. For behold, the kingdom of God is in your midst. The kingdom of God is with us. It's amongst us. It's in this room, um, and it's in this city. It's already here, um, but not all the way. Jesus was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom would come. Um, and remember, they were expecting this military ruler to usher in the kingdom because it, they thought that it was not there yet. Um, hardly believing that this man, Jesus, could be the one that they were waiting for, this meek little rabbi from nowhere, uh, they didn't, they didn't think that he could be the one to bring in this mighty, powerful military rule and kingdom. And they certainly didn't believe that it was there with them already. But that was Jesus' message. Uh, looking more closely, we can also find out something that the kingdom of God is not. It's not an era in which your problems go away, at least instantly. I do believe that God brings redemption to the things that are broken. Um, I absolutely believe that. But it's not, you're saved boom, your problems are gone. It's not the kingdom of God is here in full right now. Problems are gone. We still have a mess to deal with. Um, and if you think this way, that it's kind of this instant fix, I think that it misses what the kingdom of God is on two different levels. Um, first of all, it implies that the kingdom is not here yet, and it also misses an understanding of how the kingdom works. We broke stuff in Genesis 3 when we were disobedient to God, and this is the mess that we're left to deal with. We have, we have pain and suffering in this world. Lots of us are aware of that, painfully aware of that, and it, it sucks. But 
the kingdom being here and now starts to bring us redemption and hope for this, that things do have resolution. And I think this leads us into how the kingdom works, um, with it being here and not all the way here. Um, Gordon, there you are. We've got a little bit about bananas today. Um, We have been going back and forth for weeks about the perfect banana. Personally, I like my bananas with a little bit of the brown spots, and Gordon cannot stand it for some reason. It's, uh, for him, it's when they, they're still green. They still have to be green for Gordon. And I think that, I'm making this parable up today on the spot. The kingdom of God is like a banana. Um, it starts to be ready when it's, when it's on the green side. I think that that's okay. Um, but for me, the full realization and the full power and sweetness and deliciousness of a banana comes when it starts to have those brown spots. It's, it's fully mature. It's fully ripe. That is what the kingdom of God is like. Um, all jokes aside, and this is not, that's not a good segue into this next part. But the kingdom of God, as Jesus says, is an upside-down kingdom. Uh, it's, a, it's an upside-down order to things. Many of us are familiar with how Jesus hung out with the poor people and with the beggars that were around him, with the social outcasts. Um, more than upsetting the religious leaders around him, this demonstrated what the kingdom is like and how it works. The socially excluded become included. There's all these people that we don't think fit into what we understand the kingdom to be, but Jesus comes along and says that everyone belongs, everything belongs. Beggars and preachers, criminals and saints are all on the same playing field. They're equals and they're included. They're treated with fairness, and I believe most importantly, everyone is treated with dignity. So I want to ask this question. How might we understand the kingdom of God in the modern world, in the city of L.A.? If we think of the kingdom of God as the reign of God, I'd describe it as pervasive. God's kingdom exists all throughout the world and much farther beyond it. And I'm thinking solar system, galaxies, universes, plural. Uh, That's a little bit into my faith journey, but that's a different... Probably not a sermon. Um, We shouldn't talk about that right now. Um, I like to think of God as a a God of big things. He contains within himself the whole entire universe. Um, All governments of the world, galaxies, systems of power, um, they're all part of the natural world. And some of these things, their size is too big to imagine, and God contains all of that within himself. But I also like to think of God as God of small things. His presence is within atoms. It's tiny. Um, he, he involves himself in the little things that we worry about that don't matter. For me this week, it's when I'm going to get to yoga. I, I have, we haven't been in a long time, and I'm worrying about it, and God involves himself. Somehow he makes that holy. He makes everything fine. Um, I believe I'm going to get to yoga today, or this week. Um, And this ends my thoughts on the kingdom of God. So, I want to talk about how we look at the world. Finally, we're going to come back to the title slide and the phrase, gravity and grace. There's a pretty common way to understand the world in the West as two-tiered. There's matter and there's spirit. 
uh, the way we all think of it, I'm sure, is that they are opposed. One of them is good, the other is bad. They're against each other. And um, some of us may have been taught that when God comes back and when the new heavens and the new earth are created or whatever is going on there, that matter disappears, that we become all spirit. And I disagree with this very heavily. I think that God created things in the material world and that he made them good. The Bible says that. Why would you think that go, that, that goes away? Um, but there's no escaping this thinking in the modern world. Um, going back to my personal faith journey, I've started to deconstruct this, as you may be able to tell. This worldview that matter and spirit are opposites and that they don't work together. Um, the reason it comes up is because of a podcast where I got this phrase. Um, in the episode, they present a philosopher and mystic. Her name is Simone Weil. I think she's German. Um, but they present her way of understanding the world. And it's where this phrase comes from. She describes the natural world and the laws where things fall to the ground and excuse me, the, the world where violence is paid back with violence. That's all the same to her. It's the world of gravity. It's the natural world. Um, and I would throw in here, that's part of the deal when we're in charge. We broke things in Genesis 3. Now we're in charge. And we have a, an unhealthy way of dealing with things. We pay back violence with violence. We cause suffering where there's already suffering. For Simone Weil, this is the world of gravity. But it's not separated from the world of grace. This world of grace is peppered into the natural world, and it's where we learn to repay violence back with peace. We offer love to our enemies, and this is the way of the kingdom. I think it's a perfect view of the kingdom, actually. I wrote that here. Um, it's what I based my whole message on. The kingdom of God is revealed as we follow the way of Jesus. Coming back to the point, it calls us inward to become better versions of ourselves and it calls us outward to better the world around us. Already you can hear how I've been influenced by this person's framework for understanding the world. Yes, there is violence and there's suffering and there's pain and anguish, but in, a, uh, in the world where we look at it through the, the lens of the kingdom, we can offer love and peace and healing to the world around us, all made possible by following the way of Jesus. Also wanna talk real quickly because um, we are running out of time, how we look at God. It starts, uh, this whole idea of the kingdom starts to affect how we look at God. So many people have been given, I think, really crappy ways of understanding God, his kingdom, and what the church is about. There's some really important points that I want to re-highlight as important to a healthy understanding of God. Um, it's this analogy, actually. I think that Jesus talked in parables a lot because it's one of the only good ways to understand the kingdom and what he was up to. The kingdom of God is like the Amazon rainforest. Um, and in this analogy, God is the canopy of leaves. So much life happens under the canopy's shade. Think of the birds and the insects and all the other animals that roam about or fly around. But also think about the flowers and the food-bearing plants that provide this life to everyone. Now think about where everything comes from. God is also the ground underneath the forest. 
from which everything draws its life. These plants that provide life to the animals, where do they get their life from? They get their life from the ground. I will suggest that God is the ground of all being. He's the ground of all life. He's at the core, at the foundation of everything that we know. And while drawing upon him, we point and find our own ways to God. We are like the trees in the forest. There are many paths that lead from God back to God through us. Is that a little bit too far out there for you guys? This has changed the way I've looked at my faith over the last year, year and a half. Um, just understanding that we start with God, we end with God, whatever's in between, there's so much life and so much beauty, and I think that's another great picture into the kingdom. So to bring it back to Jesus, because he's important, he's got a few, idea, uh, few parables about the kingdom. There's one about a man who finds a treasure in a field. After finding it, he goes and sells everything that he owns in order to buy the field, therefore own the treasure. Have you ever thought about what is meant in the word that they use, find? Because you could think of it as he stumbled upon the treasure, or you could also think of it he was looking for this treasure and found it. And it actually turns out it's the latter. This man was intentionally looking for a treasure and finds it, then goes everything. He recognizes the value. Probably knew the value in advance if he was going to look for this treasure. Um, but it, it illustrates a point that the kingdom of God cannot be found unless you're looking for it. You might stumble upon something, but you will find it every time if you're looking for the kingdom. Jesus also talks about the kingdom like a fishing net that gathers up all kinds of fish. In Matthew 13, people, uh, in Matthew 13 pe which people quote a lot for the phrase weeping and gnashing of teeth, they're trying to convict you into repenting and turn or burn and all that. I don't like it. Um, but they, they bring up this parable a lot. The point of the parable, though, is to say that everyone is eligible. This fishing net gathers up the good fish that you want to keep and the bad fish that you don't want to keep. keep. Um, at the end of our age, Jesus does the sorting and he gets to decide. Um, but the point is that the kingdom is like this net that grabs up everyone, regardless of who they are, what they've done, what they've done with their lives. Um... And we think we know exactly who's going to be in and out. I would remind you, though, that God's grace is much more expansive than that. Don't forget that Jesus came to redeem the entire world. Everything in that rainforest, all of the life, whether it's going well or going awry, which is a word I never thought I would use. Yeah, it's all there. It's all good. And Jesus is coming back for all of it. So the kingdom is already here. Um, there's another analogy that I'm going to cut. Sorry, you didn't mean to say that. <laughs> so we know what the kingdom is. And we know what it has become over the years. How, it's how our understanding has evolved from when Jesus started to usher this in into how we think of it now. Um, but what does the kingdom of God look like in Los Angeles? I think I teased that earlier, but I didn't actually answer it, so I'm going to answer it now. Um, I think that the, that the reign of God should cause Los Angeles to look differently than how it does today. I think it would look entirely different if we were constantly seeking it. We're doing a good job as a church, I do believe that, in being in our city and working for the good of 
our surroundings. But LA is still broken. There's still so much poverty and pain here. Um, I wasn't sure if I was going to bring up the statistic of homelessness, but turns out there's like 56, 57,000 people who are living without homes. Three to four of the, three out of every four of them are unsheltered. Um, and this is a cripplingly, despairingly bad problem, I think. I think that there's so much that we could be doing. Um, but again, back to the way that things have been shifting for me, um, I've started to not think about how do we fix that problem. I've started to think about what is the problem behind the problem. Does that make sense? I think there's, there's something wrong in our city at large that allows that many people to be living without a home. Not that every one of them are doing poorly. Some of them are doing fine. Um, but what is broken in LA that this could be happening right, right around us? Um, Justin and I were talking yesterday and there's plenty of great socioeconomic, political factors at play that kind of start to explain the population a little bit and it's easy to just, yep, that's what's wrong, but I don't think so. I think that there's a heart problem or a vision problem in our city that I really wanna be digging at with you guys. Um, this kind of interesting point in this sermon. I'm not trying to give an answer. I don't know what the heart problem is. I don't know how to fix it. But can we as a church be committed to solving it? The problem behind this problem? Because I'm sure that explains a lot of other things that are going wrong. Um, and to bring it back to Jesus again, um, this is all in line with making the world better. God's kingdom, God's reign, the way of Jesus calls us outwards to make the world around us better. Jesus wants us to be generous, and he wants us to make better what is not good in this world. And being Christ's body, his hands, his feet, we are the way in which the kingdom makes its way to the world around us. And that's why I want to work with you guys. That's why I want to get us involved in these, in this, um, looking at the city and the vision and the heart here and bringing it back to the heart of dwell, which we have, um, which is to make, to know Jesus and make him known. I think this lines up perfectly with how I think that the kingdom of God works. I think it lines up perfectly with how I think Jesus thought that the kingdom of, work, of God works. The core mission of dwell is to know Jesus and make him known. We're called to follow the way of Jesus. Obviously, that's what being a disciple is all about. We're also called to make the world around us better. So I want to call up Jackie in the prayers um, for a quick time of response. We're going into a song called All the Poor and Powerless. And part of the reason that I asked for this song for response is because it speaks to who's allowed in the kingdom, and that's everyone. Um, during this time of response, I would love it if you'd consider these things about the kingdom. How does it work? What is it pulling on you in your heart for what Jesus wants to be doing in our city? How do you think that the kingdom of God meets Los Angeles? What should that change, not only in the way that you involve yourself in the city, 
but what does it change in your heart? What way does it call you to be a better version of yourself, this kingdom of God, this way of Jesus?